The Innovate 608 podcast is brought to you by Starting Block Madison and sponsored by the Wisconsin State Journal, Madison.com, and the American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact. The Institute invests in visionary entrepreneurs who are building scalable social enterprises, offering economic opportunity for all, healthy youth development, learning, and academic achievement, and resilient communities. From the Starting Block Madison studio in the beautiful Capital East neighborhood of downtown Madison, Wisconsin, this is the Innovate 608 podcast, and I am your host, Nora Rowan-Schmidt. Today in the studio, we have Heather Wentler, executive director and co-founder of Doyen. Doyen unleashes and ignites the power and potential of women entrepreneurs to create entrepreneurial ecosystems where all women thrive. Doyen focuses on three core strategies to support women entrepreneurs as they launch and scale their ventures, developing the entrepreneur, funding the ventures, and transforming the narrative. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I've read reports of women exiting the workforce in record numbers in 2020. With all of the progress that's been made for women in entrepreneurship, 2020 really seems to have tossed all of that progress out the window, increased family responsibilities, financial challenges. I know that this isn't a really fun way to start a conversation, but let's dive in. Yeah, I mean, the best thing you can do is face the reality, and that's what it is. You know, COVID, COVID sucked on so many <laughs> levels, but it's another level for women um, as far as what workforce, not just as running your own business, but just being in workforce in general has looked like over the past 15 months, and the numbers are atrocious. Do you have some of those numbers? Yeah, I mean, like, so what we've seen is basically a, a lot of it revolves around um, what's going on with children, since we know that women are still very much seen as the primary caregivers. Um, but so, like, last September, September 2020, when, you know, kids were trying to either transition back into school or what does a blended or you're at home school situation look like? Women left and um, there was over 200,000 women left the workforce in September 2020 alone. What we saw again was that happened with 188,000 women left the workforce in April of 2021. And think about April was when vaccines were just starting to roll out um, educators were getting vaccinated, so school was starting to change again. And parents again, especially mothers again, had to figure out what does this look like and what does balance look like and had to leave work. Um, which is just, it's very interesting that people always ask me when we talk about like gender imbalance, like this stuff still happens today. And I'm like, yeah, and the numbers prove it. And so when we look at workforce numbers, we're back. We haven't seen this sort of recession of women leaving the workforce since post-World War II in our country. And what we're also seeing is women are tracking more than two percentage points higher than our male counterparts as far as unemployment. And what that does is it disrupts our entire economy. So we know that over 90% of financial decisions in a home are made by women. So when women aren't working, we tend to spend less money, which means less going out into our communities, less going out to our small businesses, um, to really, which is really what keeps an, a local economy thriving. And it turns into bigger gaps 
for our um, our GDPs um, and how much money is being moved in our entire global economy. It's just crazy to think about. Well, and then women, it also takes longer for women to make up any salaries that have been lost because of things such as this. You know, what's interesting too is it seems that although so many women are exiting the workforce and we have all of those statistics, I've also seen evidence of so many different women starting businesses. So what's interesting is that you have people doing branding for the first time. They're finally opening that page on Shopify or Etsy, and they're starting to move forward with either their service um, or their retail business. Can you speak to that at all? What have you seen at Doyen? Yeah, um, I think this is normal. Um, whenever there is a crisis in the economy, entrepreneurship spikes big time because people are out of work or they're trying to figure out how can I make some sort of either passive income or just this becomes my new income um, to be able to keep me moving forward to fit what else is happening in my life. And so we see these surges and we've actually seen a 23% increase in entrepreneurship overall in the past 15 months across um, the US, which is higher um, than any other country in the world. So we know that we're a very entrepreneurial, innovative mindset type uh, society here in the US and we know that women are resilient. And so yeah, exactly to your point of we're gonna see more businesses opening what we tend to see, though, long term, and this, you know, isn't even really a gender uh, gender problem either. It's just across entrepreneurship. Is if you can't get to the year three of whatever company you are, you're most likely going to die. So in that first year of business, only one out of ten companies will stay open, and it's for various reasons. It's not always I couldn't make it or I'm a failure. Um, it's can you get the, the tools or the skills that you need? Can you get access to the funding that you need? And because of the way that a lot of these structures are, are continuing to operate and that have been put in place since before women could even launch their own business without a Mr. So-and-so on the paperwork, um, it creates these additional hurdles and barriers that we're still facing to be able to uh, have increased open rates and increased longevity within our companies. So what has the last year been like for you then, um, personally and at Doyen? Because, you know, certainly with the surge in entrepreneurial interest, um, as an entrepreneurial support entity, talk to me about your experience over the last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, 2020 was really hard in a lot of ways. We rolled out of 2019 with my co-founder passing away um, in a helicopter crash. And so we were trying to figure out how do we continue moving forward around that. And then COVID hit. And basically, it was kind of like grieving and whatever strategy was in place that was already all shook up went on pause. And it came down to how do we just serve entrepreneurs? And so a couple things that we started, um, we started a local Madison Entrepreneur Coalition that had over 20 organizations here locally in Madison. And then we also had a Milwaukee coalition of 20 organizations over there that were operating either LinkedIn or Facebook groups 
of here's all the opportunities that all of us organizations that work with entrepreneurs are showing up in our inboxes. So here's funding opportunities, here's skill growth or professional development, here's resources to whatever decisions you have to make. Uh, and trying to make it you know, as free and just as open to anyone as possible, we weren't trying to say we are only supporting these types of entrepreneurs. And I think we saw that across, across the ecosystem where there was no more you have to have membership to this, or you have to check these boxes um, before we'll answer your phone calls or your emails. We basically all said, we're all, we're all hands on deck, and how can we support each other? Because we want to make sure that we get to whatever the end point of, of the pandemic is with as many companies as possible open. And so we also launched new programming within Doyen. We started our ISO learning series, and ISO is short for isolated. Everybody always thinks ISO is in search of. No, it's isolated learning because it was the pivot onto fully online courses and how can we create webinar type situations but are very relevant to what the entrepreneurs are facing at that time period. But these are also things that all entrepreneurs face. It just might not feel like all of these things are in your face like they were during COVID. So I was spending over 20 hours a week you know, between Zoom or phone calls, just talking to any entrepreneur possible. Um, and then that, that steadily increased as the year went on because it was kind of like, we're okay, we're okay. Oh, PPP came through. Some people got it. As we know, women, especially uh, women of color, did not get PPP. And so how can we support them? How can we try and keep them open? How do we create more longevity for their companies? But then also having really hard emotional conversations of like, if you need to close this, you are not a failure. And look at how far you were able to get. No one could have predicted that we were gonna have this happen um, while you were trying to build your business. And you are gonna be able to take all these lessons learned and apply it to something else. Whether that means you go back into the workforce, meaning you're getting a job or you start another venture and helping them talk through those conversations of transitioning as well. And so that was the majority of my 2020. And it was really, really hard. Um, but it was also, you know, really eye-opening. And so having those conversations, I think, helped me and helped me process a lot of the personal emotions I was going through, as well as being able to support the entrepreneurs to stay open. So you referenced the Madison entrepreneurial ecosystem. Talk to me a little bit about why Doyen is such an important part of that ecosystem, and then also as a leader in that ecosystem, what are some urgent priorities that need to be addressed? I think, so I've been part of the Madison ecosystem uh, since 2011, and I'd had experience with it prior to that because my husband is also a local entrepreneur. Um, there really hasn't been a lot of change and when Doyen started in 2012, it was because people were coming to us saying, this is not okay. Who is seen as the top is not okay. Um, what is getting validated or recognition is not okay. Because it, was a, it only worked for primarily one type of entrepreneur. Um, and when so, you say one type of entrepreneur, are you <laughs> referring to a certain industry or? Well, I, I would say it was mostly white men, but then also it was very heavily focused on the tech and biotech sectors. Okay. 
And so trying to, you know, trying to show, even within, even when you look within tech and biotech, there are a lot of amazing women who have started and ran companies in the Madison area. Why are they not getting the recognition that they deserve compared to this other person who doesn't really have the success behind them, but someone else has said they're worth it or they're worthy. And so we've lifted them or propped them up as what's seen as successful versus someone who actually has built, built scalable companies and brought jobs, job creation, and uh, economic prosperity to our community. So that is really, you know, we talk about, you talked about in the introduction with the three pillars that Doyen really focuses on, that transform the narrative is really about how do we as a, as a local entrepreneurial ecosystem and then also as a greater entrepreneurial ecosystem think about who is considered successful and also, well, and then why, but then also how do we make sure we're not just telling the same stories over and over? So I know people get annoyed when they have meetings with me because I'm like, we need to be thinking about diversity from all aspects, from the gender, from race and ethnicity, from age to industry to, you know, everything under the sun as far as who are we putting on stages, who are getting articles written about them, um, and how do we operate opportunities for, for them as well. And there's a lot of room for growth, and I think there's also a ton of reflection that needs to happen. Because as we know, um, 2021 is very different from a societal standpoint than it was you know, this time in 2020, you know, summer 2020 versus summer, summer 20, 2019 and prior. And we all have to do that, rec- you know, that self-reflection and be able to grow from it and also have a changing of the guard and say, I've had my time in the sun. It's time to bring someone else up. And really all of us, myself included, saying, I'm going to open this door or I'm going to create this opportunity for someone else who I see doing really awesome, beneficial work and help them rise up instead of me always being seen as the person or the leader. Do you feel as though the events of 2020, the pandemic, some of the the shifts um, in the ecosystem in terms of entrepreneurial support, entrepreneurs coming in and out, do you think it's creating the perfect storm where, where things will be kind of um, out of necessity, shaken up a little in the Madison ecosystem? Or are you seeing still quite a bit of need for change? I see a lot of need for change. And I also see more silos being built because organizations who, are, uh, who should be getting the respect that they totally deserve are not considered as part of the quote unquote in crowd or you know the people that have been around forever but then also they're also saying I don't want to be part of that that's part of the problem and why should I go and take on that battle and try to make change happen when the you know there's a reason our within Doyen our pub, our monthly uh, publication is called brick by brick because we really feel like the whole thing needs to be demolished and rebuilt brick by brick. And that includes having different voices, different lived experiences, different opportunities to be able to really claim that we are this inclusive uh, ecosystem that we tout. 
In your opinion, what is the biggest barrier to entrepreneurship um, for your members, for women, for entrepreneurs in general? Uh, I think, so I feel like confidence is the number one barrier uh, for, for, especially for women. I also think that the, you know, what boxes need to be checked um, is another barrier. So, you know, I was just recently talking to an entrepreneur that I was like, you should totally be applying for this and you should be going for these things. And, oh, I'm not ready. Oh, I'm not ready. And I'm like, let them tell you you're not ready. I dare them actually to tell you you're not ready. But also, you know, don't hold yourself back because you only, you only check even four out of the 10 boxes because you know there are others that don't even check the four boxes that are moving forward and then they're gonna get those opportunities over you. Have you always been interested in entrepreneurship and supporting entrepreneurs or is this something that developed over time? This totally developed over time. So I mean, from a very early age, I always wanted to be a teacher. And I do think that I'm still a teacher just in a very different way than um, when I was working in a classroom and, and formally teaching. But I love what I do and um, even on my worst days, I'm still like, we got to keep moving this forward and, um, how do we keep going and how can I be supportive around it? And I just think that there's, I had a lot of aha and successes when I was in the classroom, which was why I loved it. But I have just as many, if not more working with entrepreneurs, because what I really get to see is that whole journey when you work with the entrepreneurs, especially with we work with very early stage or emerging uh, companies. And so when they come into Doyen, it's like I ha they're past the I have an idea, but it's like I have one customer. And so I've been able to prove that this is something that can move forward. How do I turn this into five customers and helping them and supporting them get to that point? But then also, you know, being able to hear about what else is going on in their lives because we look at entrepreneurship as a very holistic approach approach it's not just this is your only identity or hat that you wear we know that we all wear a million hats and how does that all play into the type of entrepreneur and type of professional that you are um and how do we you know those skills are just as important as the skills around how do you set up a budget how do you you know bring on customer number two or customer number 100 um and so those those are my biggest success points of why I love doing my work and keep doing the work that I do. Is sexism alive and well in oh entrepreneurship? Nora, I think you already know the answer to this. <laughs> um, yes. And, and what does that look like? Everything. And I think a lot of it, well, a lot of it is we are trained not to call it out. And if you do call it out, you're ostracized or, oh, you're just defaulting on that. And it's like, no, I, I can show you how this opportunity and this opportunity with two completely same people is treated differently because of how one of them identifies as a gender. And there's tons of research around this where, you know, submit the same, app, same resume, but put a man name on one and a female name on the other. And the, the women is much likely to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if she's the right person for this job and has invisible boxes to check. I hear that all the time in, in the ecosystem around like, oh, 
they're hiring so-and-so as the new executive director, or they're bringing this person in to speak. Are you sure she's the right one? Are you sure she's the best candidate? Uh, but there's never a question of like, oh yeah, I know him. He'd be great. Well, if so-and-so recommended him, we got to go, we have to move forward with it. All those things, you know, I, I get it from my peers. Um, as far as it's a small ecosystem, we all know each other. And it's like, well, I've had the same experience within working with entrepreneurs as this person. Why is this person seen as a more success story than I am? Or why do they get these opportunities? Or even why do, why do they get paid more than me? Um, all of those things are, you know, it's like, it's, it is like death by a million paper cuts. And w again, we're taught as women to try and overcome or diminish or not put too much thought into them, but they all are microaggressions and they all affect how we play out our day to day and who we want to associate with because we walk into a room and we're already looking like, uh, who's against me? And how do I have to overcome this? Did I dress right? Did I, am I supposed to wear makeup? Am I not supposed to wear makeup? Are my earrings too big? Does my hair look okay? Do I, how many times do I have to apologize for my hair being kind of a mess because, or spit up, I have coffee on my shirt because, you know, someone bumped me. All those things. Whereas we don't, we don't owe anybody that. So we have to, as women, we have to, stop doing that as well as we need to stop pressuring other women to do it and also there needs to just not be that pressure in general. How do women who are entrepreneurs or who are in leadership roles in the entrepreneurial ecosystem best find their wolf pack to have conversations about how they're feeling and you know um, things that they need to say in a comfortable space? I think it's really really hard um, and that was one of the reasons that we started Doyen was because I was feeling that way. And I think, you know, I can't speak for Amy, but I feel like she was feeling that way as well of like, we have a lot of friends, we know entrepreneurs, but we don't have a space that's just for women entrepreneurs. And that was the biggest pushback we got when we started talking around town about starting and forming Doyen was you're going to take away all the women. And it's like, well, I can already show you that less than 10% of all your attendees at all of these things are women. And I can tell you about the various experiences I've had showing up to your events that are totally sexist. And also sometimes, you know, just should be reported uh, for sexual misconduct. Uh, but then also, you know, they, that you aren't allowing them to be themselves. And so that's the number one thing I get from my members within Doyen is how do we have more space and time to just connect with other women entrepreneurs? And we do that in a, in a variety of ways. So our programming, none of it is industry agnostic. We say everybody should be there no matter if you're running a brick and mortar or your online store or you're developing you know, the next cancer treatment drug. Uh, there's ways that we can all support and impact each other and learn from each other because there are shared experiences within all industries from a professional and also from personal standpoints. And that's been, I feel like that's what's lacking the most due to COVID, but then also just in general right now of if you try to create these spaces, the pushback that you, we continue to get of like, oh, this is just for 
this type of person or well am I allowed to come to this because I'm not that type of person like we'll let you know everybody lets you know um and the important part is just showing up and when you are there if you're not one of those you know if you're not the main audience for what you're showing up for to not feel like you need to be recognized and to just be an observer and show that's I think the best way you can show allyship is by showing up uh, and being supportive but then also just listening instead of having to be heard. Have you had a meeting with an entrepreneur recently that was inspirational? I yeah so um, we do member onboarding meetings once a month and I'll be honest it was the first time I ever did one um, because Amy used to do them and then I've had other staff members that have done them so I ran the first one a couple you know this past month and I really had no idea what is supposed to happen during these member onboarding. And the two new members um, were on the call. And um, one, actually, they both formerly had been part of Doyen a couple years ago and now are, are, are coming back. And one has just started a new company. And, you know, we're sitting there and I could tell, like, she's got her, um, her uh, like, her, her treadmill underneath like a desk treadmill going and so she's walking and I'm like how you doing and she's like I'm just I have so much going through my head right now and I'm like well we're here to help if you want us to help and she's like I just keep feeling like I need to make this change in my messaging and I need to cut this piece out or, or reformat it and can I bounce an idea off you and we're like sure and so she bounced it off of me and the other person in the call and we both went you need to do that right now and she was like, I feel like the universe has been telling me to do this. And I've just been so, I've been pushing back and not listening because I wasn't ready. And now I feel like I'm ready. And so like within 24 hours of that, of that, uh, the Zoom meeting, um, they had been working, they started working on rebranding and they had already started to see new customers coming in by removing two words out of their tagline. And, um, it's insane and it's just like and you know if she reached out and was like this wouldn't have happened had that onboarding call not happened and those are the moments that are just like oh my gosh that's that's where the impact happens it's not just about number of businesses started or revenue dollars or capital investment dollars brought in or jobs created it's like this company is able to continue moving forward because this what felt like an insignificant 45-minute conversation that I was going into, like, I don't know what we're supposed to do, has totally, you know, changed the landscape for this company to be able to keep moving forward. That's amazing. Her desk sounds amazing, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit, you know, as a, a co-founder and an executive director, a person in a leadership role, what what is your day to day like, and you know what's the, what's the last few months been like? Talk about your experience just in leadership in general. It's it's hard. I mean, Nora, honestly, we have a ton of phone calls or text messages because we're like, I just need someone to vent to because it's also very isolating, and it's something that unless you are another person in a similar position with. A similar lived experience uh, you're not going to understand it and so having you know we talked about having your wolf pack earlier having those people are so important because I have my friends that they just don't understand 
what even even my family you know 11, 11 years of doing entrepreneurship and they're still like I still don't understand what you do for a job and um and so like having those people that get it are what grounds you and also gives you perspective and helps you move forward and Amy and I had that and so losing Amy was a huge hurdle and trying to figure out how to keep how to find other people to fill that gap within my life but then also um how to just keep going when there are really hard days of like are you kidding me and watching the news and reading headlines and just being like are you kidding me well we could have told you that that was going to happen but we knew it was going to happen so are you kidding me <laughs> um and then just like setting really hard boundaries so uh, i've talked pretty openly with my members and through through a few podcasts that you know I struggle with depression and have since college basically and trying to work through my mental health and keep myself going forward and when I have down days just admitting it and taking care of myself and setting up really hard boundaries so like if you pull up my calendar it's my team members know like this is when Heather's available and they can see all my meetings but then I also have time blocked off that's like do not bother me. And on Slack, I put, you know, do not bother me as my like away message. Because if you don't have that time to just be able to do your own work, it can become over consuming. And then it's hard too because I spiral out of my own boundaries. And that's when I have to like call it. And so when it's like, oh, I'm just checking Slack all day long and I'm checking on other people's work and I feel like I'm micromanaging and that's not the type of leader that I am. Or, or am I micromanaging because I don't want to do my work? And so it's easier to check in on people and quote unquote help them with their jobs, but then this creates this dependency issue. Uh, or like, is this how we're supposed to keep going forward? Is I need to have everything checked by Heather. And then calling it and recognizing and calling it and being, oh my gosh, team, I'm so sorry. I created this, I set this up, I'm going back. You know, we got to reestablish this and it's hard to reestablish it, but you got to do it because it's for your own, it's for your own personal sanity. But then also like if you don't set those boundaries, people are always going to take and take and take and you just feel like you're being ripped away and stripped away as a person because you lose yourself. And I did that for too many years and I'm not saying there's any, you know, you can do it. Um, lots of people do do it, but it didn't work for me. And I also, you know, I started developing some health issues because of it as well. And those are going to be lifelong health issues that I have to deal with now because I worked myself at a point of stressing myself out too much that my body was literally in survival mode. And to rebuild, that's going to take years. Um, and so, like, I don't want to see anyone else go through that. I would not, I would not wish that on anyone. On, but, yeah, just being honest. Where do some of those behaviors come from, though, initially, you know? I mean, the not being able to really relax on vacation, the checking email 24-7, the working way more hours than necessary. It seems like that has to come from somewhere. Are we learning that behavior from other people that we admire? Is it a mechanism that women in entrepreneurship are using to try to keep up with their peers and show that they absolutely can do it all? I think so. I think that that's a lot of it. I think 
society still says here's what you need to be and so when we see books like the four-hour work week and that's uh, people can do that I'm not one of those people but I'm also a super overachiever and I'm also very much a task manager (laughs) so I hate having unchecked task boxes but I think that there's because uh you know underrepresented populations have to work so much harder to check the same boxes we end up having to we end, we do it out of necessity and we also do it because we this feeling of we're going to get left behind and so i have to work twice as hard i have to you know i have to do everything i have to be super mom and also be the best business and have high numbers of revenues and sales and employees and yada 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 to even be considered equal to my male counterparts um and until we say like I just tell people like right now I'm, I'm going to be going on vacation so I send out an email the week before and uh saying I'm going to be gone you can reach out to me it's also interesting in other com- other countries when they put up out of office and say like I'm gone for these times um they also follow with like, you can reach out to me again because the expectation is, is when you come back from vacation, you just go back to inbox zero. And anyone who had contacted you while you were out of office, it's their job to reach out to you, not my job to follow up. And I would love to adapt that lifestyle as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good goal, right? Yeah. Many of our listeners are entrepreneurs who are just getting started, who are thinking about entrepreneurship, who um, are friends with entrepreneurs, but you know they still have their normal nine to five, 11 to seven, whatever it is, position. One of the most important things that I've learned about entrepreneurship is knowing when to take the risk and go for it, when to take that Etsy business that's not doing super well and just fold it how do you navigate taking risks on both sides of things? And what advice would you give? Uh, go with your gut and really listen to it. Every time I, I will say from personal experience, every time that I've been like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. It's because I didn't listen to my gut. And, you know, those, it's telling you, your intuition is telling you something. I tell people a lot, you are the best person to be running your business and whatever decisions you're making you are making the right decision based on the facts that you have at that time and if something inside of you is saying i still just feel off with this really explore that if it's like well the deadline's approaching i need to push this out if it's a you know it needs to be made right now you know decision needs to be made right now on this phone call push back and say, I need some time to think about it. Um, you should never feel like you've lost control of running your own company or your, or uh, that you are not the right person for your company unless you personally make that decision. And that's an important and hard decision to make as well as far as when it's time to leave because there are also times when you could phase out from your company and there's nothing wrong with that either but you have to be you have to be willing to make those decisions that's where your gut is really the the voice around that 
What's next for Doyen? Oof. I don't, I don't know. We're in the middle of a, another strategy overhaul. Um, you know, Doyen, I would say, has gone through about three or four iterations over our nine-year history. Um, I feel like we're preparing for our fifth one. And really, that's me listening to my gut and saying, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Doyen does that feels like noise to me instead of actually meeting our mission. And then also really evaluating how we do that work that we do and are we making sure that we're making impact on those that we claim we're making impact for and how are we also making sure that um the you know we're still making that change happen and I never want to hear another person say oh we we work with Doyen so we check the gender diversity box that's a problem and that goes back to there's a lot more work to do on all fronts and we won't be going anywhere. Heather, thank you so much for everything that you contribute um, to the Madison ecosystem um, and to my life as a fellow executive director also. Um, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Innovate 608 podcast with special guest Heather Wentler, executive director and co-founder of Doyen. If you haven't checked out services offered by Doyen and membership to their organization, I strongly encourage you to do so. For more information about Doyen, visit doyengroup.org. What's the most innovative thing you've done this week? Record a voice message or video message about your innovation or innovative approach and send it to us in an email at innovate608 at startingblockmadison.org.